0: Kiwi Birth Tales, is this a mummy work? Okay, thanks. How bloomin' cute. Uh, I asked Jai to say um, welcome to Kiwi Birth Tales and he said Kiwi Birth Tales, this is mummy's work. Okay, thanks if you didn't catch what he was saying. So if you follow me on Kiwi Birth Tales on Instagram, you know I'm obsessed with my kids. I'm obsessed with Jai. I love listening to him talk. I just think it's so cute. So new intro for the episodes I think Um, but welcome back to another episode of Kiwi Birth Tales if you're new around here I am your host Jordan and I run the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and Instagram pages and I also run your birth project which is an online hypnobirthing course designed to help you create your best birth and it is inclusive of all birth types It also has an online store to support you through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So if you're in any of those phases, make sure you go and check out at your birth project or www.yourbirthproject.com. All right, welcome back to another birth story this week. I know I kicked off um, last week's birth story with some recommendations and I also popped one on the birth tips with your birth project bonus episode that came out yesterday. So make sure you go and check out the recommendation there. But another recommendation for this week. So I have been... I should take you back to the start. So I had Ali and then my periods came back and they were so painful, like out the gate, so painful. I almost called an ambulance for myself a couple of times and I'm dramatic, but like they were bad. They were really bad Um, and so heavy and just like, yeah, so uncomfortable. And my cycles were pretty out of whack as well. And I have been taking Sisterhood Tea, which is by the PCOS to Wellness um, brand and the beautiful owner named Bridget. It's an Australian brand. I've been drinking the tea now, I want to say for a good six months, probably maybe five, six months. And I drink it pretty consistently. I have like one to two cups a day um, and there's about 30-ish servings in a bag. And oh my gosh, it has changed my life. So this, I, I had gone from having, like I said, these absolutely just horrible, horrible, horrible periods. Started drinking this tea pretty much straight after a period, maybe a week after a period. I was drinking two to three cups a day because I was like, Jesus, if this is going to help me, I want it to help me like now. And next period, I just, I barely had any symptoms, like pretty much no pain. Um, Like maybe a few cramps leading up to my period. It was not as heavy. um, And yeah, I didn't really know it was coming. And I thought, okay, maybe that was a fluke coincidence. Not sure. I'll keep drinking this tea and see what happens. The next period and every period since I've I've had to wear my hour um, period underwear for, like, the day or two before my period's due. Because I have no idea when it's coming. Like, no period symptoms at all. I'm not moody. I don't have cramps. Nothing. And if you had have seen me, like, six months ago, period's, like, total opposite. So, that's my recommendation for today. Sisterhood tea. You can drink it. it just, it's got sort of, like, a, it's a herby, like, herbal minty sort of flavour. It's really I think it's really nice. Um I love drinking it. So that's my recommendation. If you want to check out Sisterhood, I do sell it in the Your Birth Project store. Um and yeah, it's changed my life. So if you're suffering with painful periods, it's definitely worth um giving a go. It's got all sorts of other benefits. It's called Sisterhood because it was designed to help people with PCOS but all sorts of um, fertility benefits and like acne and weight management and all that sort of stuff. So if you want to check that out, I'll pop it in the show notes um, so that you can find it. But that is my recommendation for the week. In today's episode, I am speaking with a lovely mum named Rebecca. And Rebecca takes us through her journey to pregnancy. She had some um, fertility health concerns and all sorts of different tests done that she'll talk us through, um... She was a bit like me and lots of other women around our age in New Zealand who have been on the pill from a really young age and that um, impacted her body when she came off it. So yeah, really interesting to hear a bit more about that. And then into um, her journey to pregnancy, she had a subchorionic hematoma, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, which is when um, you've got a hematoma and she explains it much better than I will which causes bleeding um, quite often during pregnancy. So that caused her to have some perinatal anxiety or anxiety in pregnancy. She talks us through that and into her beautiful positive hospital birth story. So I think you're going to love this episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to leave me a review depending on where you're listening or send me an email kiwibirthtales at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram at kiwibirthtales. I'd love to hear from you. All right, let's jump into the episode. Hey Rebecca, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Hi Jordan, thank you for having me. I love listening to your podcast, so I was really excited to get the opportunity to share my birth story with you guys.
0: Amazing, very cool. And do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family?
1: Cool. So um, I'm Rebecca and I live in Porirua in Wellington. I'm a primary school teacher. I teach year five and six children at a little um, seaside school called Plymouthton School. And I live um, with my partner, Ryan, and our two cats, Benny and Bonnie, our dog, <laughs> Molly, and our six-week-old son, Leo. Amazing. Six weeks
0: is still so new. Yeah, so new. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And do you want to talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you guys?
1: Yeah, cool. So um, I had been on the pill for quite some time. So as a teenager, it was the classic, went to the doctors, Mm. had heavy periods, they just throw the pill at you and say, here you go, have the pill. And so naive me started taking the pill when I wasn't even sexually active at the time. Um, But, you know, I thought it was great. I could control my periods and um, (laughs) had a little bit more um, control over that side of my life. Um, And so I was on the pill up until my early 20s and then started getting the headaches. So the doctor put me on the mini pill. And that's about the time that Ryan and I had started dating. We're about 23 at the time. I'm currently 29 at the moment. So um, I just started dating Ryan and I went on the mini pill and that's when all hell broke loose in my body. So I was having multiple periods within a month, um, Mm. lots of spotting, breakthrough bleeding, low sex drive. And it kind of went like this for a good two years. Um, Mm. And I went back to the doctors and their answer to that was putting me on too many pills a day. So I was taking two pills a day um, and that wasn't really helping my symptoms. Um, So I just went cold turkey and took myself off the pill and was just using other contraception in the time being, just condoms and whatnot. Um, So that was, you know, for a good two years. And as I came, as I was coming off the pill, um, my cycle's, were not regulating so I was still getting the bleeding throughout the month and then it was probably just before the 2020 lockdown my skin um just broke out and I was having really Mm -hmm. bad deep cystic acne and um for someone um who never had a pimple in their life not even Mm. as a teenager that was quite um alarming and I knew something was like really really wrong in my body and I was putting it down to the pill because I had had no issues up until being on that mini pill um, mm-hmm. and so I kind of went on this healing journey trying to get my um, my cycles and my hormones back in check um, so I worked with a naturopath, I um, joined Casey Clinic for my skin but I started really thinking about my diet and how I could try and help my cycle and help my skin and it improved a little bit but I was still getting the um, breakthrough bleeding and I was about 26 27 and that was when Ryan and I were like really starting to think about when we wanted to have a family and I had so much anxiety because I was like this isn't normal I'm bleeding pretty much throughout the month Mm. Um, And so that's when we made the decision to um, go and see fertility associates um, to get some testing done. Um, My partner Ryan has a condition called narcolepsy, which means he has to take quite a lot of medication to stay awake. So he wanted to make sure that That medication wasn't affecting his sperm um, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to find out what was going on with my cycles and I had a really strong feeling that maybe it was something like polycystic ovarian syndrome just because of the symptoms that I was having Mm. um, and the skin, the breakouts. Um, so we went to see Simon McDowell at Fertility Associates in Wellington and he did a full test uh, on both of us. So I got my AMH done, which is my egg reserve. Um, they did a scan of my um, ovaries, just looking at the cysts, uh, the ovarian sacs, which have the eggs and whatnot. And um, they also tested my um, estrogen and progesterone. Um, and from that testing, um they said no you if all your hormone levels are totally normal um Mm. you do however have a low egg reserve um so at 27 I was like oh my god like it was quite an Mm. alarming piece of information to deal with they kind of gave me a graph and on that they gave a prediction about when my menopause may kind of start so they said around about the age of 38 um and my mum actually went through early menopause. So I kind of knew in the back of my head that I might do the same follow suit. Mm. Um, And so that testing showed that. Um, And so he said to me, look, this bleeding that you're experiencing, he um, thought it's probably uh, endometriosis, which both my mum and sister had. And he said to me, "Um, if it is endometriosis, um, you know, we can do a laparoscopy, but I want you to start trying for a family first and try for a few months um, and then if you can't fall pregnant we'll go and put you you know under Mm. and we'll do the laparoscopy so he didn't want to just cut me open for no reason um, which was fair enough but um, at that time we weren't quite ready to start trying we'd just bought a house and we were starting some big renovations so um, for the next year I spent more time really trying to optimize my uh, guess my fertility um, I started doing acupuncture and really focused on um, working on my cycles during the acupuncture so um, I went to a little uh, acupuncture place local um, to Plymouth um, and she was really great with working with my cycle and I started to notice uh, my cycle improving and I had less spotting in my cycle um, which was awesome and my skin was starting to clear quite a bit as well Um the doctor actually said to me you know it's not about necessarily starting and getting that first baby it's actually about making sure you get all your babies you know if you want three children you need to get started as soon as possible so mm-hmm. um, my partner Ryan and I were like okay well, well we'll get started in the next year or two once our house renovations have had kicked off um, so at the end of last year we had started our big renovations and that's
0: when we decided to start trying for our family <laughs> yeah awesome I can actually just sort of side note to your story I can um, really relate to the cystic acne I had that when I went off the pill as well and I was like you I started the pill when I was like a young I don't know how old I was like maybe 14 Um, yeah and my skin was so so bad when I went off the pill and it was really confronting because I'd never like you had a pimple really before ever Um, yeah so yeah I can really relate to those feelings
1: And it's such a, it's such a a debilitating, I guess, thing to experience, especially Mm. as a, a, uh, an adult, you know, you, you expect to have that experience as a teenager because of all the hormones Mm. and a lot of teenagers deal with that, but you know, you do become really self-conscious. Um, and it was also in the time where, you know, it's 2020, we're wearing face masks. So every time I put on the mask, um, it Mm. just made it so much more angry, um, yeah. and then I liked to wear my mask because it hid it. Um, yes. so it was, yeah, yeah, it was this like bitter, like sweet thing I had with the mask. Like it, it made it worse, but it yeah. also hid it. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it's, it's definitely though, I think, you know, the cystic acne, it is a sign that something's going on with those hormones. Sure. So yeah. yeah, I think it's really, you know, it's taught me to really listen into my body and find out, you know, mm. what's, what's my body actually telling,
0: trying to tell me. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so what happened from there? Do you want to talk us through um yeah, I guess trying to fall yeah. pregnant and what yeah. were your cycles like at that stage and then through to um yeah, finding out that you were pregnant. Yeah. So um coming into it like I I
1: thought it was going to take us quite a while just because mm. my cycles weren't great. I knew I was ovulating, but I was having this premenstrual spotting each month um, and you know, I was a little bit worried about how long it was going to take me to get pregnant. So I had quite a lot of anxiety about not being able to get pregnant. So I mm-hmm. worked myself up into quite a bit of a worry. Um, and so my acupuncturist was trying to help me like with meditating and trying to be really calm and, and in a really good, I guess, mental headspace for starting mm-hmm. to try for a family. Um, and I also had to kind of do a lot of work on my own limiting beliefs around my own fertility because Mm -hmm. I had a lot of like negative self-talk about it. Um, So we started, we decided to start trying at the end of last year. So that was um, December and I very luckily fell pregnant on the first go. So I don't know. Yeah, I was, we were just absolutely um, overwhelmed and over the moon. So Mm -hmm. um, I did the test early January this year and it was a positive test and yeah the shock I filmed myself because I thought I was going to be making (laughs) a montage yeah Yeah. I thought I was going to be making a montage of like negative tests before I get my you know my positive test yeah Um, and I filmed myself and it was positive and it was just like the complete shock on my face and I, (laughs) I and I burst into tears crying when I filmed it and um every time I watch it, I, I still cry. Cause that just that no, disbelief and I had worked myself yeah. up into such a worry that it wouldn't happen that first time because of my cycle issues. And because of mm. the doctor saying, you know, it might be a bit hard and you might need a laparoscopy. And you know, I suspect yeah. there's endo there and the low egg reserve. So yeah, it was just a huge, um, shock, but obviously I, we were both overjoyed. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was a very positive, um, experience for us yeah
0: yeah amazing and how
1: did you tell Brian um so it was I was actually it was actually before my period was due and I was telling myself and telling him I was like we'll do the test on the on the day my period's due um and I woke up that was due on the Wednesday and I woke up on the Monday at three in the morning and I just could not (laughs) stop thinking about doing a test Mm, and I couldn't get back to sleep (laughs) and so I was like screw it I'm just gonna go do it so um I went and did the test and I filmed myself at three in the morning doing this test and it came back um positive and he was half asleep and he's because he's got this narcolepsy which is a sleep condition um a lot of the time when he's asleep he doesn't like I could have conversations with him but he wouldn't even register so I came in I said Molly Molly who's our dog Molly's gonna be a big sister and he sat up and he said very nice that's good and then lay back down and went back to sleep (laughs) and then I think a few a few like um minutes later he kind of was like wait what like and um yeah so he was really happy and I think he he went off to work that day and I think he was in a little bit of shock as well like I I I think he needed that time to process because we honestly thought it was going to take us a while and we had just started the house renovations as well and um they were ripping out all the windows and and after we had started trying they ripped out the windows and found all this rot. So the job that was going to take them two weeks was going to take them a few months. So I think also Mm -hmm. he kind of went through his head like, oh my God, we've got so much work to do in this house and there's the baby coming. (laughs) Um so yeah, yeah he was he was really um stoked and then over the next week we just told our close family um and then we told friends a little bit later on just kind of before that 12 that 12
0: week mark yeah yeah amazing and how were you feeling like in that first trimester did you have many pregnancy symptoms and yeah what did you feel sort of in your body in those first 12 weeks
1: yeah, so um, I actually had probably what I describe as a very traumatic first trimester. Um, yeah. So stri- pretty much straight off the bat, I did have a bit of nausea. My main symptom throughout my pregnancy was just constant dry. Um, heaving I would do mm. it all day I'd just dry heave dry heave dry heave and I only eventuated to a vomit like twice but it was just constant gagging yeah. and like even things like fresh morning air would set me off like the most bizarre things oh, would set God. it off um, so yeah. that was you know my ongoing symptom but straight away yeah, it was the nausea um, and I had a complete turn off to coffee which is really unlike me and um, but it was about, I was about five weeks pregnant when I started spotting and I, you know, saw the spotting in the toilet and I wiped and there was blood and I obviously, you know, you just, your heart just drops and you Mm. you know, you think of the worst and you think, you know, is this a miscarriage and, and, um, you know, I got quite worried. And at that point I didn't have, I didn't quite have my midwife sorted. So I didn't really know who to contact. Um, so I kind of just left it a day or two and the spotting kind of went on for the next few days. And then over that time, I had, had arranged a midwife um, and it, it was the Saturday and I started getting really bad pain on my left-hand side. So I called um, my midwife and I called Healthline and they were both like, look, I think you should go to a The pain mm-hmm. on the left-hand side is a Um, an indication of maybe an an ectopic pregnancy and I knew that was the side I'd ovulated on because I could feel I felt the ovulation that that month so Mm. I was quite worried so we went off to the hospital and they did like a little scan in the emergency room and they couldn't see much because they're really crap quality scans I think they're like those general scans that look for things like appendicitis Mm. or whatnot so they're not one of the really good quality ones from like you know pacific radiology Um, but when we got there they were they were able to locate um a pregnancy in the correct place which was awesome but then there was like another smaller sack which was down by my cervix and what appeared to be lots of clotting um so they were like oh this could be a twin we don't really know um they basically labeled the whole pregnancy as a threatened miscarriage and then sent me home um so Mm -hmm. being told that you know you might have twins There, you know, you might have a threatened miscarriage. Like, I just had so much anxiety, and I so I went home still bleeding. Um, and they rang me up the next day and they said, Look, if you've got a dating scan, if you can move it earlier. Um, then Mm. you can get a bit more clarity about what's going on. So I had a dating scan book for week seven. I moved it just to week six so I could get in there and find out what was going on. So about a week later, we went to the scanning place and that's where they um, saw we had a lovely little healthy heartbeat of one Bubba -hmm. bubba, and that's my wee man Leo. And um, they also saw what they call a subchromic hematoma. So that was the the clotting that they had seen in the scan at the Mm. um, emergency room. Um, And so a subchronic hematoma is when the placenta, this is what I understand it to be, is when the placenta Mm -hmm. implants um, into the wall of the uterus, sometimes it detaches and then kind of reattaches itself. And um, in that moment, then a blood clot forms behind the chorion, wall of the um, placenta Um, and so those bleeds um, some women don't even know they have them some women will have no symptoms some women will gush a whole lot of blood and just have one big bleed someone some women will spot Um, they can be very risky for a pregnancy because depending on the size and the location of the bleed they can actually rupture the membrane that the baby's in so Um, it does increase your risk of a miscarriage so I got told about that and I actually joined like a Facebook page for subchronic hematoma support um, and kind of started doing loads and loads of research on Mm. it because you know you've been told that and it's you want to do anything you can to kind of keep your baby safe yeah Um, yeah so yeah I joined that page um, and there was loads of like information about different things that you can do to help with the bleed. Um, I was mm-hmm. still doing my acupuncture, and acupuncture, particularly using moxa, was one of the suggestions, as well mm-hmm. as taking lots of um, like antioxidants, so pomegranate juice, vitamin C, um, and also magnesium. So I kind of started doing that, and I was drinking pomegranate juice by the liter. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> one of the suggestions that they do say is um, bed rest, so or, mm-hmm. or pelvic rest, so no exercise or if you do do exercise um it has to be super minimal like no heavy lifting no sex nothing Mm. like that so I was like willing to try everything to keep um Leo safe um I'm also a dance teacher after school I teach as a a dance teacher so that was really hard trying not to like overexert myself whilst Mm. you know um trying to teach kids dancing um so I found that really hard and also exercise you know is so good for your mental health and when I was feeling yeah. so anxious um yeah. you know I found that really hard not be able to like use my outlet of exercise and fitness yeah um yeah. so yeah that bleed um I spotted and bled and gushed all shades of blood every week for the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy mm. Um, so yeah that definitely created a lot of anxiety for me because every time I bled it was like those thought patterns of is this my hematoma or is this a miscarriage Mm. or has the hematoma hurt the baby so there was all those thoughts that went through my head and I did kind of get into I mean looking back now and I didn't have a diagnosis at the time but I definitely think I had some perinatal anxiety Um, yeah I would go to the toilet like every hour and wipe constantly to check
0: Mm -hmm. how much
1: blood there was and what color was the blood and you Mm -hmm. know they say if it was brown if it's brown blood it's okay but if it's bright red you need to go to A&E so it was all those kind of things Mm. that um consumed me um so looking back now I definitely think there was quite a bit of anxiety there um and it was at my 20-week scan that they saw that it had um resolved itself which was just like that it was like music to my ears hearing that Mm um but yeah it definitely did impact that first trimester and and you know a bit of the second trimester of my pregnancy it really did kind of put a a damp a dampener on the whole experience for
0: me yeah 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 I think there'll yeah definitely be people who listen to this podcast that relate because um yeah I definitely have quite a few submissions with the um the similar sort of hematoma stories and yeah. um, the bleeding and spotting for sure so much anxiety is there anything that like that helped you in that stage like or did you just feel totally um, out of control and nothing really helped
1: I think um, for me talking about it really helped and it's so hard Mm -hmm. especially in that first trimester when you're not telling people you have you don't have that support so once I started telling people about my pregnancy and then I could openly talk about the hematoma and actually just getting it out there and talking about it made me feel really good so I ended up telling a lot of my friends um, before that 12 week mark just so I had that emotional support Um, another thing that I did was um, I did I guess they're like birth af- affirmations and pregnancy affirmations. If you just type that oh, yeah. into YouTube, like first trimester, yeah. first trimester pregnancy affirmations, and I would just listen to them on the way to school, on the mm. way home. I'd listen to them as I was falling asleep. Sometimes I'd make poor Ryan, my partner, listen to them with me. <laughs> um, so yeah that was kind of what I would try and do just to keep myself calm because I'm such an overthinker and it it really just ate away at me um and it kept me up at night as well so I had the worst pregnancy insomnia because I'd wake up in the night and it would just Mm -hmm. consume my thoughts um so yeah that the meditations really really helped um and that kind of those affirmations and those meditations kind of got me um really interested in. In the realm of hypnobirthing and and what Mm. that might look like for my my um, birth, so I think it kind of was quite good in some ways because it got me thinking about how I could implement that later on when
0: I was giving birth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny if like if someone had have said to me, I don't know, even five years ago that um, you know you should try positive affirmations for anxiety, I would have been like that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I just don't know how that could help me. Like I just would have totally blown it off. But now like knowing what I know about like your mindset and mental health and birth and pregnancy, I just am such a fan of positive affirmations. So that's really nice to hear that that was something that, that helped you for sure.
1: Yeah, no, totally. And I, I just, yeah, I just know how isolating it can be for for women going through this so you know I felt yeah that's why I feel so grateful sharing this my story because I know it can it can help other women going through it especially knowing how I felt and how other people might be feeling if they're experiencing something similar
0: um any kind of bleeding
1: I know and I know bleeding in um early pregnancy is super common and sometimes Mm. it's for no reason you know, yeah. and everything is, ends up fine. I hear so many people tell me, "Oh, I bled in the first trimester. I bled too." And no. there's not, there's actually not a lot of talk about it. So a lot of women no. deal with that in silence. So yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. so important that we talk about it
0: and we raise yeah. that awareness as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. And so you're about twenty weeks when you're told that it's. Um, results itself did you find out the sex at the 20-week scan what did you decide yes
1: to do yeah so um we had we actually had to have quite a few scans we had to have one at uh, six weeks nine weeks 12 weeks and then we had the 20-week scan and um we actually yeah. did all the normal uh, just the normal testing we didn't do the expensive testing to find out the sex so we found out the sex at the 20 weeks um we got it written down and gave it to our sisters and our mm-hmm. two younger sisters um they um created like a little well, I guess like a little reveal for us just with our family um and that's when we found out that we were having a little boy which we mm. were both so excited about um, Ryan was convinced he was going to be a girl dad but nope, it was a <laughs> little boy um and I didn't mind I mean for me we both didn't mind but I really didn't mind either way because I just felt so grateful um mm to be having you know a healthy baby um when we were at um the 20-week scan they also saw that um leo's kidney was slightly um they they call it kidney dilatation Um, and so it was slightly enlarged um on his left side um but they just said oh we'll just keep monitoring it and we'll do an extra scan and they often correct themselves which it did so but i feel like when i heard that at that 20-week scan after finding out that the hematoma had healed itself Mm -hmm. i just wasn't I, I wasn't worried because I had so much trust that things work out the way that they're meant to. Um, so I yeah. just, yeah, it didn't, it didn't worry me um, as much as I thought it would because I think mm. I had. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Growing so much over that first 20, 20 weeks with the hematoma, yeah. it made me so much stronger. Um, so, yeah, I didn't let that um, I guess, ruined my, my pregnancy. I really found found pregnancy for the next 20 weeks quite positive. Um, just because that, yeah, the first 20 weeks were quite tough. So I really made Mm -hmm. an effort to just really enjoy the pregnancy and, you know, (laughs) set up his
0: nursery and all of that exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And did you do like the gestational diabetes tests and everything like that as well? Yeah. So at, um, 28 weeks
1: we did the gestational diabetes check and that was all fine in um, that test as well they do the um test for group b strep and for me okay. that came up as positive um so basically what that means um is if you are group b strep positive um at the time of birth if your waters go before labor starts you need to have um antibiotics um mm-hmm. in, intravenously through your veins um the get-go and the reason being is because once your waters break um, baby can be exposed to that group B strep and they can breathe it in so my midwife explained that all to me at 20 weeks and I was just like okay like and I kind of had a I was starting to have a vision of what my birth was going to look like um, and I was starting to think about my birth vision and my birth plan and what I wanted Mm. to have in my birth Um, so I kind of started to internalize how that would look having antibiotics in my vein as soon as my water break kind of thing so Mm -hmm. um yeah I just had to take a bit of time to process that um and at that point I had been doing quite a lot of um learning around hypnobirthing and so I was thinking about how I could kind of alter my environment to fit that in um Mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah group b strep for those that don't know it's um it's a strep that lives usually in our, our vaginas or in our rectums and in our, I think it's also in our bowels and it comes and goes in every human um, mm. at some point in their life but if you have it when you're pregnant it's it's really dangerous for the baby so if they're exposed to it at birth it can it can affect their lungs or their brain yeah. so um, there's lots of protocols and making sure that mum and bub are safe during birth so they often do antibiotics on mum to
0: um, keep baby safe when they're born yeah yeah awesome cool and did you do any like I know you sort of said that you were doing some hypnobirthing sort of research and um that you were enjoying that but I'd love to know yeah what birth education did you do did you do any antenatal classes what did that whole thing look like for you
1: yeah so I um read all of um Ina May Gaskin um guide <laughs> to childbirth I think everyone on your podcast has read that but it is, it is amazing um yeah. and that was kind of my taster Um, and it kind of gave me a bit of insight. Um, and then I listened to, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts. I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. So I had, I had a lot of knowledge about that. Um, and I also listened to, um, I think it's moon and stars hypnobirthing. She's an English lady. Um, and she does a lot of it's, um, birth education around hypnobirthing and a lot of her focus is around creating a safe environment. Um, and you know, It's all around the environment that you're bringing your baby into. Um, And then I also did antenatal classes with our local parent center um, where I met um, some amazing mums and we all connected straight away and the dads all kind of connected. And I mean, a lot of the stuff that I learned there, I already knew. I knew through your podcasts and um, from my own research, um, but it was more for me the connection with the other mums. I think that was the best thing I took from those classes um and learning a lot about also informed consent um and understanding you know what what rights you have in the birth room and what you know having that that knowledge about all those different things that could go on so that you're consent you know what you're consenting to and you know what your rights are when you're giving birth as well so that's what I really took from um the antenatal classes
0: yeah Awesome. And did you have like much of an idea around your birth plan or did you have a birth plan or thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go?
1: Um, so at 32 weeks we started to um, discuss um, our birth plan and I was very open-minded. Um, I didn't want to kind of narrow it down and be like this mm-hmm. must happen because I um, I was very aware that pregnancy and birth and labor, they can take any kind of turn. So it's about being open and informed for whatever kind of happens. But my, my ideal vision, um, a big part of it was actually about what my environment looked like. So I knew I had to be at hospital, but I really wanted to have little like battery operated tea light candles. I had my galaxy projector, Um, on there I had I wanted water involved in some way um, birth combs um, and my music playing Um, so that was a big part of that actually was the main part of my plan but I really um, was open to whatever pain medication I needed um, you know depending on how the birth was going to go and obviously you know ideally for me I wanted a vaginal birth but I was also open to a cesarean birth if that's the way um, our our birth had to go Um, so yeah yeah, I kind of left it quite open um, just because you never know what's going to happen
0: yeah yeah awesome and do you want to talk us through your sort of end stage of pregnancy and how you were feeling and then if your labor spot started spontaneously how far along were you and yeah what happened next Cool.
1: So, um, yeah, we. it was probably around maybe like 33 weeks I started to get really sore. So I started to struggle with quite a bit of sciatica. Um, And I was limping um, Mm. really bad, just those really bad pregnancy pains. And um, Leo's head was really, really low down. Um, I had a few growth scans at that point because I had had COVID at 24 weeks. So they wanted to do a scan to check the placenta and make sure that was all growing. Um, And then I had to have another scan to check his kidneys, um, which were all fine. They had corrected themselves. So at those scans, they couldn't even measure the circumference of his head because it was so engaged in my pelvis um and mm. so yeah he was sitting so low down I was very uncomfortable um I worked up until 38 weeks well I was 37 plus five so it was the end it was Friday of end of week six of term two um or term three sorry and so I worked as long as I could up so I could get as mm. much um pay parental leave as I could um, <laughs> and I really I really struggled in that last week like one of my colleagues was like oh my gosh Rebecca I saw you walking across the the courts and the <laughs> playground and I thought that baby was going to fall out of you yeah. um yeah so oh, I, was I can picture the walk I can just
0: picture it
1: <laughs> yeah it was like a zombie walk like because I the side of kind of came down one leg so I was kind of limping yeah. <laughs> on, yeah. and just kind of using my left leg mainly and my right leg was like dragging behind me I just I was a mess and I was barely sleeping at yeah. that point so I finished yeah. up work at 37 plus five um on the Saturday we had a little blessing way um Uh, It was like a little ceremony I had with my mum and Ryan's mum and our sisters and my friend Lanier and my acupuncturist held it. And it was like a little ceremony that we had just to kind of – open up the space for Leo to come in and all the, it was, it's really sweet. All the um, people, all the ladies at my ceremony all got a red ribbon and we tied it around each other's wrists. And so the idea is when I went into labor, they cut the ribbon off and light a candle. Um, Obviously because of COVID restrictions at that point, I could only have Ryan in the room and they were all the ladies that I would have loved to have with me. So it was kind of like them Mm. being there with me in spirit And they wrote me a big canvas of like birth affirmations to take to the birth with me. Um, So they wrote like lovely words of encouragement that I could bring with me. So it felt Mm, like I had them there. So that was on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, um, I was 38 weeks exactly. And I woke up to my waters breaking. Um, And it was quite funny because I was due on the 18th of September and it was the 4th of September and That's my um, partner, Ryan's 30th birthday. And for the whole pregnancy leading up, he's like, you are not having this baby on my birthday. Like we are not (laughs) sharing a birthday. Um, And I was like, you never know. Like he could come early. And then I woke up 7.30 in the morning and I woke up to this big gush um, and I waddled my (laughs) way up to the toilet and I called out to Ryan, Ryan my waters have broken and he was like oh my god <laughs> and I was like happy birthday <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how the labor started um he hadn't even he was gutted he hadn't even had his morning coffee yet it was like straight into the <laughs> car and off to um Peru. um so we have a local birth center called Kenny which is um it's just like how they kind of do like more um aftercare um, for women and amazing midwives and support but we went there just to meet our midwife to check that it was actually my waters that had broken and it was so um, she checked um, and did a a mini stretch and sweep to pull back the last of the membranes and I had several more gushes of waters the whole bed Mm -hmm. was soaked with waters and um, it's quite funny because Ryan's very woozy and he couldn't even talk about some of the topics at antenatal class without getting like nauseous Mm, and um I look over at him and he's completely green and I look at my midwife and I'm like oh my god like how is he going to get through today um (laughs) so we're like oh oh god this is going to be a long day um and so yeah she's like cool um so we'll meet you at Kenny Peru oh so we'll meet you at Wellington so um because of the GBS I had to get my antibiotics so we went into Wellington and that's about a 15 minute drive um from Kenepero to Wellington and that's where my contractions started so when she checked me I was about three centimeters two to three centimeters um and then in the car I started getting um some light cramps I would say that you know they the I guess they were contractions but for me they just felt like period pains that came on and yeah. off intermittently um and I yeah I just kept Breathing through them, I was doing like a breathing in for four, out for more. That was kind of all I had in my head is breathing in for four through my nose and out for more through my mouth. Um, And I just started that breathing, even though I didn't feel like I needed to breathe. I just wanted to get in in that rhythm for when things intensified um we stopped at mcdonald's on the way because poor ryan it was his birthday he was hungry had (laughs) had his morning coffee so we sorted him out and i got myself a blt bagel (laughs) and um (laughs) yeah we arrived at wellington and we're the first people there for the day so we got a really beautiful suite um and i sat there on my on my ball and i just ate my mcdonald's and um breathed through my very light contractions um And then my midwife gave me the antibiotics. Um, So we got to the hospital. It was probably like 11 o'clock time. And I bounced around on the ball and had music playing. And Ryan and the midwife set up the room. And my midwife, she's so sweet. She um, brought her own lights as well. So we had lights and a galaxy cove and um little tea light candles, like battery-operated ones because you can't have real candles in the birth room at the hospital. Um, I had essential oil blends, um, like roll-on ones because you can't have the diffusers at the hospital either. So I had my roll-on, clary sage, um, music playing. It was just, yeah, a beautiful environment. We pulled the curtains as well just to kind of get the oxytocin flowing. Um, And, yeah, it was really nice and calm. And then at about 12, we saw the doctor, they came in and they said, "Um, okay, so you're know you contracting and everything's going well, but if we give you a bit of oxytocin, that will just get things moving a little bit quicker. And she just explained that um, we kind of want baby to come out quicker just because Mm -hmm. the longer he's exposed to the group B strep, the higher risk there is. Even though I've got the antibiotics, there's still a risk um so she said you don't have to have the oxytocin but you know that's up to you um you're contracting well but it's up to you so I was like Mm. whatever I've got this thing in my vein anyway chuck a little bit of oxytocin in there and we just did a really small dose um so that was at about 12 um and then I kept laboring and I stayed on the Swiss ball for a good three hours and it got to about three o'clock and my midwife's like okay so I think we should check you now And so that's when I laid on my back for the first time and oh my goodness, that is when the pain ramped up. Like I did not like being on my back and like all of the research that I had done and listening to your podcast and learning about birth, being on your back is just such a uncomfortable position for birth. And my body just did not like it at all. Um, So she checked um, and I was five centimeters dilated um, so I was really happy with that. And then I immediately flipped around and got onto my knees. Um, and I started like moving, I brought my knees in and my legs out to try and like open up my pelvis. And I was probably in that position for like, two minutes and then I was like oh gosh I need to poo and so you know how it is when you're in labor and yep. that urge to poo and so um hobbled over to the um toilet and I had all the cords because I had to monitor his heartbeat monitor my contractions I had the IV through my veins so Ryan had to help me wheel myself with the little IV stand all the way to the, <laughs> the toilet and on the toilet that's when the contractions ramped up Ah. A whole nother level. I think I had about three contractions on the toilet, um, and I remember feeling quite overwhelmed with the pain because I was sitting there thinking, this, "This is a breeze," and then it kind of got real intense really quick. And mm-hmm. I remember looking between my legs and seeing a whole lot of blood, and I was like. Oh my God, there's blood everywhere. Give me an epidural. And I just remember (laughs) freaking out and my midwife's like, Oh, hon, that's just your bloody show. You know, it's all fine. Let's get you up on the bed. We'll see what's going on. And I'm thinking, Oh, thank God. I'm going to get an epidural. Like, I can't do this. (laughs) I get up on the bed and, um, all of a sudden my body starts involuntarily pushing and I'm like I need to push and she's like no don't push they're only five centimeters <laughs> and she looked and she's like oh my goodness you're 10 centimeters um and so it was all on like she hadn't set up the room for me to deliver um so she's frantically like getting the trays and getting the table over and getting mm. all her equipment ready and I'm trying not to push and I'm just I you know it was quite um it was quite dramatic. Um, Ryan's trying to set up the camera to film that part of the birth. And at this point she chucked um, the gas at me and I didn't even know like what, how to take it. So I was trying to take some gas just to calm myself down and try and focus on not pushing um, because she didn't want me to push without the coaching. Cause yeah, it was just, it just kind of went from zero to a hundred mm. so quick. She obviously didn't want me to tear. Um, so yeah, that was, that felt like forever, but I think it was for like one or two contractions while she was mm-hmm. getting everything ready. And then we started pushing um, and we had about four contractions um, of me pushing. The first push or the first contraction, I was trying to like breathe him out and we just weren't getting anywhere. And she's like, no, like you've got to hold on your breath and you've got to push down like you're taking Mm -hmm. a poo. And so the next three contractions, um, I followed that instruction and he came out. On the fourth contraction in twelve minutes, mm-hmm. um, and she placed them on my chest, and yeah, it was it was very quick but very amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh that was quick like (laughs) five to ten centimeters pretty quickly right
1: yeah she thinks it was like i went from about five to ten centimeters maybe in about five minutes and she reckons i hit that transition on the toilet which is why i was like give me an epidural i'm getting out of here you know how you have that moment of like i can't do this um that's when i I lost my shit on the toilet and then and then (laughs) after that i was fine so yeah she reckons it took a good five minutes for that dilation um yeah which was very quick so it did leave me with I had um second degree tearing, and I kid you not the, the contractions the pushing the birth that the whole that whole experience the pain was nothing compared to the stitches the stitches mm. was what really hurt me like oh my goodness um she, she gave me the gas for the stitches and um, I just honed on that gas for a solid 40 mm. minutes with no break. Um, and I think when you have gas, you obviously have it when you have your contractions and you come off it and get your breath back. I wasn't doing yeah. that because I had already given birth. So I'm just laying there, just sucking on this gas <laughs> and she's stitching me up. Um, everyone was talking, but everyone's voices were echoing. I felt like Leo and I were just melting away and I could hear my partner saying, Um, Ryan was saying oh Leo's slipping off her chest (laughs) and I hadn't (laughs) even realized he was slipping off me Um, and I was just so spaced out and yeah it was it was um, very painful but I think I had a lovely time on the gas from what I can remember Um, I was like why didn't I have this gas earlier (laughs) Um, yeah so that was the most painful part was the stitches to be honest Mm -hmm. Um, that's what that's what I remember anyway and I was very high on the gas at that point
0: Yeah. Um, yeah 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 and so with him on your chest did he latch on did you sort of find that um experience did he you know get it quite easily or did you need help or yeah how did that go
1: yeah, so um, when he was born, he was put onto my chest and at the start he was a bit startled because he obviously came out so quick the poor yes. little guy was a bit yeah. startled. So there was a little bit of like two midwives rubbing him down and because I've watched so many birth vlogs, I'm rubbing him too and one of the midwives is like, <laughs> oh, honey, you know, you you don't worry about that. We've got that under control. I'm like, I just need him to breathe. <laughs> um, but, you know, they put him, he, was, he stayed on my chest. He didn't need to go be, be taken away for observations or anything like that and um he just like I just remember him being on my chest and just staring at me he is so wide-eyed and he was just staring at us and my partner Ryan was filming him and we're talking to him and then when um she started stitching me up that's when we latched him on and um yep he latched on straight away I don't know if he was actually suckling he was just looking at us like with these really Mm -hmm. intense stares um and we decided we'd do active management of the placenta. So the placenta came out straight away. And I feel really gl- glad I did that just because it gave me that more time just to connect with him before she started stitching me up. I think I had him on my chest for probably like a good 40 minutes before she even started the um, stitches. So yeah, it was a really beautiful bonding time. We got loads of pictures and videos and yeah, it was it was such a magical time. I I love looking back at those videos.
0: It takes Mm. me right back to that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And what happened next, I guess, like once all of the stitches are finished and um yeah, do you want to talk us through what happened in the room and yeah, what happened with you? Cool. Um
1: yeah, so um after the birth um my blood pressure was super super low just because I had I was so high on gas um (laughs) my blood pressure was so low my, my midwife's like you are not going anywhere until this blood pressure comes up so she's like her and my partner are giving me all this food and the hospital brought me my dinner I had I remember it was like a roast lamb and Ryan had to feed it to me because I was so weak I couldn't even cut (laughs) <laughs> cut up my food um so he was yeah. cutting it all up and feeding it to me and I think I had a bar of chocolate a whole powerade a hot chocolate four pieces of toast and some water and then she checked my blood pressure and it was fine um so she got Ryan to get Leo dressed and she put me in the shower and I had my first shower which was amazing but I was still quite out of it so I forgot to bring my toilet bag into the shower and I I rinsed myself off but I remember for like the whole next few hours after that i just stunk of blood because i just had this hot shower but there was no soap so i just remember smell i felt like i smelled of blood like i could smell blood on myself for the next few hours it was so gross but yeah we had a good shower and washed off and um then she's like oh so i'm just gonna go do some paperwork and then i can send you guys off to Kini Peru, which is our birth care center so within yeah. about three and a half four hours after delivery we were in the car driving to Kini Peru so it was <laughs> nice and quick um, it was really funny we were leaving the hospital room um, and Ryan had Leo in the car seat as dads do holding the car seat as proud dads mm-hmm. and my midwife and him are walking ahead and they're walking so fast through this hospital which felt like a maze and I'm like guys wait for me like I've just had stitches <laughs> I'm like hobbling behind them and that like Ryan's like oh yeah I forgot like it was just so casual like it felt so <laughs> weird like four hours prior just yeah. giving birth and now we're just hopping yes. in the car just, it was just the yeah. most strangest thing because it was so quick as well. Like we went straight, yeah. you know, within a couple of hours we were in the car off to Kineperu. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we arrived there at eight o'clock at night and our, all our family on both sides greeted us in the car park. Um, because of restrictions, obviously, they couldn't come in and visit us. And it was like eight o'clock yeah. at night by this point. Um, so they all took turns going into the car and looking at Leo and (laughs) in the car seat which was really cute and then we went into um, Kenipuru and they kind of entouraged us in and then the bless the midwife there was so sweet she let each of our family members come in one at a time just to have a quick hold of him and that was just so special that like you know, my mom and Ryan's mom and my dad and our sisters could have that moment holding him, and mm. on the day he was born as well, which I know isn't a luxury, um, I guess, in the moment and what's going on in the, our world mm. with COVID. So we yeah. felt really, really blessed to um, to have him meet our family on the day he was born, um, and yeah, we stayed at Kenny Puru for two nights. um So at Kenny, they have amazing midwives and nurses that basically give you around the clock care every time I breastfed I had to ring a button and they would come in and watch his latch and make sure that that was all good um and they never did things for you they would just um come and monitor and give you lots of advice and because I really try to empower the parents to be able to have all the skills equipped for what they need you know and um so yeah they came and helped me with all my latching and changing and all of that Um, And we, they, we actually brought some colostrum with us too, because on week oh no, on the second night and the third night, he had some really um, intense cluster feeding. So we (laughs) use some of, we use some of his colostrum as top ups, um, which was, came in so handy. Um, Yeah. And that helped me get at least like an hour (laughs) sleep. And yeah, we came home after two nights there
0: and yeah, we settled into family life at home yeah amazing beautiful and how did you find that sort of initial period when you were at home and did you notice a um sort of hormonal shift and and mood change when you were in the birth center or did you notice that at home how did you find yeah the first couple of weeks
1: yeah so um I the milk came in the day the day after we got home so I think it was like on day four or day three it came in and when that came in that's when the hormones kind of Mm. kicked off um (laughs) I had this intense um like grief for my pregnancy like I I because I think I I think what looking back at it I think Um, because I went a little bit early at 38 weeks, I didn't get that two weeks to reflect on my pregnancy. It was Mm. such a journey for me with the hematoma and all the anxiety and the worry at the beginning of the pregnancy. I didn't have that time to really reflect on it and kind of say goodbye to it and farewell my Mm. pregnant body. And so I remember being in the shower, um, at home and Leo was downstairs, I think with Ryan's mum, And I, I went to like run, run my hand over my stomach and it was empty. And I, I just felt this like intense emptiness and like sadness for like the ending of my pregnancy. And I really, and I, I had this weird connection to my placenta as well. And I decided to bring it home with me. Um, so we Mm -hmm. could bury it. So, um, for me burying the placenta gave me so much closure, um, for that part of my life. Um, we went yeah. out and chose a, a beautiful like magnolia tree and we buried that, um, after about a week. And I think Leo was one week old at the time. And I think for me, that's what gave me the closure that I needed. Um, yeah, yeah it was so many emotions that went through me. Um, mm. yeah, it was like this insane grief. It was, it was really weird. And it was often when I was away from Leo, like in the shower, um, and and I, I felt the disconnect from him. It was very strange, mm. um. But that mm-hmm. only kind of lasted about a week or two. Um, yeah. And yeah, I I I think you know, being a new mum, like you're constantly breaking and healing, like all at the same time. So you know, you have your good days and your bad days. And like for me, the days where you know, like Leo had real bad nappy rash a, a few weeks ago. Um, mm. And then he had his immunizations where he was crying in the night and really upset. And um, Those are the days that I feel really like anxious and quite, I, yeah. yeah, I find those those days really hard. But then, you know, you have those really beautiful days as well where he's just a little angel and you just look at him and go, wow, like mm-hmm. I made that, you know, after everything yeah. we went through, like you are here, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, beautiful and how have you gone physically like have your stitches healed okay how have you found healing from birth
1: um yeah so stitches healed really quick Like, I was so shocked about it um mm. I think on like day four the midwife came and visited and I asked her to have a look so she we went up into my bedroom and she had a look and she's like <laughs> oh my gosh she so my bless my midwife she's a, a first year midwife and um, a new, a new graduate midwife. And she is honestly the most amazing human being I've ever met. Um, and she was like, these are the best stitches I've ever done. Like she was like, so <laughs> proud of her work. And I was like, Oh, thank you. I was like, I'm glad that they are. Um, and yeah, so that they healed super fast. Um, and I, because I wasn't exercising throughout pregnancy, I've lost a lot of my strength. Like I had quite a bad, quite a, case of diastasis recti separation of my core like my abs are, mm-hmm. were separated straight after birth they've closed up quite a lot already but um, I've made the decision to see a pelvic floor physio so we're yeah. actually going to have our appointment next week so I'm going to get some exercises to kind of strengthen up my core um, yeah. when I wear Leo on the front pack because I've been doing some light walks um, I get really bad lower back pain so I, I suspect that's just from you know, carrying a baby for nine months, but also mm. losing all of that core strength. Um, yeah. So hopefully she'll give me some exercises for that, and she'll check my pelvic floor and make sure uh, that's all up and running again. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we'll be seven weeks postpartum on Sunday. So I'm very aware that I'm still very much at the start of my journey. So I'm just being mm. super kind to myself. I'm not yeah. trying to jump into too much exercise to begin with. So I want to see the pelvic floor specialist and kind of get some some pointers on things, how I can kind of ease my body in gently mm. and um, make sure I'm kind of getting my body back, back safely, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. Well, i really love talking to you, Rebecca. I think there's going to be so many people out there who get, yeah, um, take sort of something different from your episode, whatever they need for them. So yeah, super grateful that you're willing to share and you submitted your story and yeah, just um, really appreciate your time. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Jordan. Thank you for letting me share my story. And um, I hope that, you know, some parts of my story have um, maybe helped or inspired or supported others that maybe are experiencing some of those things.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to message me on Instagram, email me, leave me a review wherever you listen, and I will be bringing you another birth story next week. Talk then.